Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth, human performance, and culture change. This is your host, Philip Grison. Thank you for joining me on this path. I hope you enlighten others along the way. Hey, everybody. Today, I want to share some thoughts on fair trials, which include retribution and restoration in the context of safety management. All of this is based on systems thinking and human performance. A common conversation that comes up when teaching these topics is when are people accountable for their actions? People want accountability, especially when someone was hurt. There's a strong desire to not have accidents and an equally strong desire for accountability when they occur. Accountability can feel good. It can lessen the pain that comes with incidents. You see, there's multiple victims in an incident. The person that was injured, the supervisor that now has to deal with a lot of conversations involving the incident, the managers above the team. Although not necessarily physical pain, all of these people were hurt in some way. Holding someone accountable for their actions that trigger the event can feel good as a form of justice for the other victims. It's interesting, though, if you look at it from a different angle. The family of the injured are also victims. The dad or the mom may have been injured on the job, and their income was affected. Their loved one was affected. From their lens, they may desire an entirely different form of accountability. Since they are closest to the injured, they may hear more of the realities of work from their loved one. They may hear more about the goal conflicts and system issues within the realities of performing the job. They may want accountability from the organization. They may look to the company to pay to be held accountable. If we consider that different victims of an incident may look to different people to pay to settle the score, there may be more to consider than what one worker did wrong. We should then consider all the influences that created the environment for the incident to occur. Looking just at the worker's actions is extremely one-sided. It's narrow in focus. Still, that desire for accountability remains. When I was a kid, I wasn't much of a comic book reader, but I knew a few friends that had them, and one character that stood out was Judge Dredd. He was known as Judge, Jury, and Executioner. At the time, it was appealing. This person who could avoid the corrupt court system where criminals went free. Today, I feel very different about that. So what is wrong with Judge Dredd? If we believe that all people are fallible, that even the best make mistakes, then no single person should ever be Judge, Jury, and Executioner. Because all people make mistakes, including supposed impartial judges. Another thing wrong with Judge Dredd is that people struggle with hindsight and confirmation bias. Hindsight bias has been documented as the strongest bias in psychology. When we know the outcome of an event, we have the luxury of knowing what a person didn't do or should have done. But the person whose actions contributed to the event, they most likely would have made a different decision had they been able to get in a time machine and see the results of their action. And there is no time machine to go backward and do it all over again. Hindsight bias is like having a mental time machine. In other words, 
It's total science fiction. Confirmation bias can overlap with hindsight bias. Confirmation bias is looking for evidence to prove yourself right. Humans want to feel they are right, smart, and wise, and we naturally look for evidence to prove this to ourselves. When an incident occurs, we know the outcome that the victim didn't expect, and we have strong mental forces encouraging us to find evidence to prove what they should have done instead. Another problem with Judge Dredd is that there is a pleasure in firing someone, disciplining them, or kicking them off the job. It sounds a little crazy, but it's true. The motivational triad is a strong force that drives our behavior. Seek pleasure, avoid pain, and conserve energy. In the context of managing the aftermath of an incident, seek pleasure can motivate us to find the answer to the problem quickly. Avoid pain can motivate us to point the finger at the worker instead of the complex organizational system. And this overlaps with conserving energy. It is more efficient to blame the worker than it is to blame the system. Learning and revising the system is very time-consuming and might come with painful conversations with managers, which means seek pleasure could just be firing the worker. The other issue with Judge Dredd is organizational power. There's always power at play in judgment. Those in power make the judgment. Those without organizational power are typically the ones receiving the judgment. Event learning teams that consist of workers without organizational power, people who must get the work done in the systems created by those in power, are a great defense to this. It's imperative that those without power have some sort of voice inside of judgment. I want to step outside the construction safety world for a minute to look at justice in other areas of our society. Then I have some questions for you on how we might improve our accountability systems inside the safety world. You know, sometimes I feel like Sidney Decker is the Gandhi of safety. He has such humility in his teachings. Even Decker says you shouldn't trust everything he teaches as gospel truth because he admits that he is biased too. I've been reading Decker's third revision of Just Culture. He starts out by sharing a common belief that comes up in his teachings, this idea that systems thinking relates to no one being accountable for their actions. I can totally relate to this as it comes up a lot with me too. The entire book is devoted to justice and accountability within safety. If you are often faced with this belief about human performance, that people think it means workers aren't accountable for their actions, then I highly suggest you read it to help you manage those conversations. So back to justice. Our current justice system for American law provides a trial for the accused. An expert in law is provided for you should you not be able to afford one. The ability to bring experts in subject matter and witnesses to argue another view are also provided. And then a jury of your peers determines culpability. And finally, a trained, developed judge determines the sentence if found guilty. Even then, 
the ability for a retrial has potential. Yet rarely does any of that exist inside the trial for safety violations. In fact, it is normal to find one person be judge, jury, and executioner inside of safety systems. Judge Dredd may be a fictional character, but he is alive and well in many safety cultures. It brings up a question we should meditate on. What would the rights given to citizens in our legal system look like if we applied them to safety management? These rights to a fair trial have existed since Babylonian times. They exist today in the legal systems all over this world in many countries. They exist in universities and religious organizations. They even exist to an extent within OSHA. We have the ability to attend an informal conference. We have the ability to contest a violation. As an organization, we can manage OSHA in the court system. However, workers don't normally have those same rights within the organization's safety culture. People have fought and died for these rights, but do they exist inside your organization? To start, does your current safety culture clearly define the difference between a safety misdemeanor and a safety felony? If we ask the worker to define this line, would their answers be commonplace? Would they answer in a similar way to how management would respond? Some of you probably have or have experienced zero-tolerance rules. If we call those safety felonies, is the consequence clearly defined? And if it is, does it include all of the typical rights of a fair trial that we see in our legal system? One component of event learning is determining if the need to devote the necessary resources and the time commitment to learning is actually worth it. Maybe we could draw a line between safety misdemeanors and felonies to help us determine that. We might find it's not feasible to devote fair trial resources to everything. After all, all hazards are not the same and should not get the same attention. This applies to learning from events as well. If we do decide it's worth it to learn from an event or a violation, then we should consider the elements of a fair trial. In safety violations, does your culture provide an expert in human performance and safety management to defend the accused? And could you create a system for this? The accusers in construction safety are rarely equipped with the same safety wisdom that people who study human performance have. They also have an inherent goal conflict of production accountability. The accusers are often held accountable for getting the job done. The accusers themselves should not be viewed as dumb or evil, but instead as good people trying to do a good job inside an imperfect conflicted system. To defend against this, we need experts to argue on the behalf of the accused. And then there's the jury. Is it feasible to get a group of peers together or workers that have a deep understanding of the work at hand on how it is done in the real world to help the organization determine culpability? That's a big benefit of conducting event learning teams. 
We get the benefit of a jury of educated peers who live and work inside the system. From there, could we enlist an impartial judge to determine the sentence? You know, all of this could sound like science fiction to you right now, but Judge Dredd is science fiction. These concepts are worth meditating on. I believe we all hope we can evolve our understanding of safety management. We need to get a little weird sometimes and think outside the box to do this kind of work, to evolve. Even if we did implement all these concepts into safety management, there's still another thing to consider. The difference and overlap of retribution and restoration. Retribution is punishment for a crime committed. We have all these protections in place for the accused inside of our legal system before we ever arrive at determining retribution. But even then, studies have shown that a supposed impartial judge is more likely to issue a harsher sentence if they are feeling under the weather or their favorite football team lost the game the previous night. Even judges can bring their emotions to retribution. People want retribution when they feel wronged. It's normal to want punishment when someone violates a rule. But we often deliver hurt to somebody who was already hurt. When someone was injured, we may punish them with more hurt. And the thing is, there's more than one victim in any incident. If a worker is severely injured, their supervisor is also hurt. Their family is affected, a manager is affected, a supervisor and a manager could easily get in trouble or experience some sort of negative consequence for a worker violating a rule, regardless of any system influence on the incident. And so it's understandable how people want retribution when an incident occurs. They're hurting and they want those who caused the hurt to hurt some more. But what about restoration? Restoration is where the violator stays within the community. We don't throw them into prison or kick them off the job. We include them in the corrective measures. As a simple example, if someone destroyed a fence, they would be forced to help rebuild that fence. It's normal when I'm teaching human performance for someone to ask, what do we do about sabotage? When are people held accountable for their actions in human performance? What do we do about bad workers? But a good question that could follow is, what do we do to restore that violator? Most often, it is the system. Rarely is it true sabotage. However, there is still a worker who broke a rule. Would safety justice look like them being forced to help fix the system? Would that help restore them? If it was fair accountability, they would be required to participate in learning teams. They would be required to share their story of how work is actually done in the real world. They would share what influences them not to communicate about goal conflicts or to skip steps. They would also be required to help come up with solutions that would be tried out in micro-experimental ways to see if they actually work. That, too, is accountability, but it's restorative accountability.
Some people believe our current legal system sucks a little at restoration. Retribution, we're pretty good at. We pay a fine, do some time, or community service. But other than the ability to get some education and therapy inside prison cells, we tend to remove people through retribution more than restore them into the community. Right now, the biggest problem I hear in construction is the lack of needed employees. Some focus on restoration could help a lot of areas of organizational performance outside of safety, like retaining needed workers. So here are some thoughts. We should clearly define the difference between a safety misdemeanor and a safety felony. We should engage our workers to make sure that those differences are clearly communicated downstream to the worker level. If it is a safety misdemeanor or a basic human error, discipline probably isn't appropriate. If it is a system-induced violation, coaching might be a good solution. Of course, it's important we determine who's doing the coaching. But if it's a safety felony, we should implement some sort of rights for the accused. And they should definitely include someone who has the training and development to argue the difference between human error that is blameless, system-induced error that does not benefit from discipline, and true sabotage. From there, we need some sort of jury that can take all this in and help determine who, or better yet, what is truly culpable. What about our systems allowed the severe violation to occur? If it happened once, it has potential to happen again. Punishing one worker does not mean a new worker would not make the same bad decision. What allowed this to happen is more important than who caused it. Construction work is dangerous. Construction work is an environment where we give flawed humans the tools and equipment that can kill people. The protections we create in those environments must go beyond expecting flawed humans to always make the right choices. We've given them tools that can kill people. We do want people to make good decisions, but we must accept that we are asking them to make good decisions with tools and equipment that can cause death. Always do the right thing is not enough of a defense. You know, a lot of people assume that a conscious decision to violate a safety rule is sabotage. But conscious decisions to violate rules are most often system-induced. Most often, workers are doing what they think is acceptable to their direct supervisor. Even when it's not acceptable to the safety department, most often, workers are doing what they think the organization really wants. If we determine the worker is blameless, and instead we blame the supervisor, we're just shifting blame from one human to another. This tells us that we should give supervisors the same rights as workers. And if the supervisor is found guilty, we should work to restore them too. When people are placed inside the goal conflict of choosing production or safety, production usually wins. This goes for workers, supervisors, and upper management too. 
People are doing what they think the organization really wants. If the organization does not want them to choose production over safety, then coaching is appropriate. But more importantly, the organization needs to learn why. Why their people are not choosing safety over production. They need to learn what is influencing this decision that is not in line with the company's values. What is influencing this is more important than who didn't do it right. But most important of all, all of the accused should be restored unless they are Jeffrey Dahmer batshit crazy. I'm totally for removing crazed serial killers from our community. But most workers are not serial killers. Most workers are just trying to get the job done so they can get paid and go home. Hey there. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review. If you want to connect further, reach out at leaderthink.com.